0: Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for Tuesday, May 30th. Hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. As always, I want to thank Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for production. We have the NBA Finals matchup. The Miami Heat, Heat Culture 1, I guess. I don't know. We'll talk about it. They went into Boston and won Game 7, 103-84, to 84, pretty much dominating Boston. Obviously, there's a Tatum Ankle injury and some other things. But the Heat are going to the Finals. We're going to talk about Game 7. We're going to preview a Finals matchup between the Denver Nuggets. And the Miami Heat, uh, we'll see if we get a live betting line, perhaps, as we go here. We'll see how fast our, our friends at Jam can get that up. And we're also going to talk about some coaching stuff there. Adrian Griffin is going to be the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Nick Nurse is going to Philadelphia. Um, Brendan, I, I, there's something I want to ask you about, about a certain word called leverage play that relates to the team you cover primarily, the Phoenix Suns, which seems to have happened twice now. But we're going to specifically look at high pressure hires. What recent history can tell us about these high pressure hires? What to avoid? What we know is important, and and just how Adrian Griffin in particular is a bold hire in some ways for the Milwaukee Bucks. But let's start with Game Seven. I mean, I mean, Brandon Caleb Martin just might be. The, is he? The, is he? Should he be the new logo? Like, should he replace Jerry West? Like, where are we at with with the Caleb Martin just being the best player for the Miami Heat in a Game 7 on the road? This
1: series is, is a real testament to the Heat. I mean, I know that's an obvious thing to say, but I was looking back at the 2020 Finals, and that was a veteran team. If you really look at who played, you know, it was... Andre Gudala. it was Jay Crowder it was Goran Dragic it was Kelly Olynyk. this team is younger less proven less experienced and yet here they are and I think Caleb Martin is as good of an example of, as any of, of of that like I mean he just has turned into an offensive superpower in a way that I don't think anybody expected just had an answer for every single shot Anytime Boston made a run, it wasn't necessarily Jimmy. It wasn't necessarily Kyle Lowry or even their three point shooters. It was Caleb Martin who they could not keep track of in transition and who, you know, just seemed to get his hands on offensive rebounds and everything else to to answer the call there. And, And, you know, they needed it because I honestly, Jimmy had a good second half, but Bam was not very good in this game. Gabe Vincent had a good first half, not a good second half. And it was really it. They needed Caleb Martin of all people. A guy who's making seven million dollars and we didn't even know him apart from his brother like a month ago. We thought they were the same person. We didn't know which one was a hornet and which one was a member of the Miami Heat. Sure. I mean, did you know?
0: Could you have I told mean, me the difference? No, honestly. No. I Brandy, you calling this a testament to the Heat to me feels perfect. Like that is the perfect way to surmise how we got here with them. I think this whole playoff run for them. They've never been the best team, most talented team in any series they have played. They have not. They will not be in the finals. The Denver Nuggets are a better basketball team. Any more talented basketball team with a better player has the will have the best player in the series. And the Heat are there. They had a negative point differential in the regular season. They lost. They were up 3-0, lost three in a row, lost a game at home in heartbreaking fashion. I, I think that where I go with this more than anything else is... It's cliche. I get it. I think this has to be the this is the most This might be the most. This is the most mentally tough team I think we have in the league. This is what it feels like coming out of this. I think other teams, Brendan, would have lost the way they lost in game six. And yeah. it's over. That would have been the catalyst in another situation for the team that won game six like Boston did to go back home and just stomp the heat. Stomp their opponent in that situation. Put, like, complete the history, do all that stuff, win the game. That was never really in play for Miami. And that's despite Jimmy Butler's 28 in this game. But he took two free throws and was 12-28 of from the field. This is with Bam Adebayo looking lost on offense for much of this game. 4-10 from the field. This team just is always having answers for what is in front of them and outplaying their talent. It's it's been yeah. incredible. As much as it is not always the most fun, flashy basketball, that is what they do. They outwork you and they outgrind you and they out tough you mentally. That is what this heat team is. Well, and in game six and seven, Boston actually started
1: well. That's mm-hmm. one of the, you know, interesting things here is obviously Boston won game six, but the Heat had a lead, and then, you know, that game was very back and forth. And then in this one, Boston started four of six, and then they were four of their next twenty-seven. After that, and Miami was able to, to put together a run, I think it was like a 19-4 to 4 run that they responded with. You know, Bam had his third foul in the second quarter. There were multiple times in the third quarter when the Celtics cut it to single digits on threes. Tatum started to get into somewhat of a groove. We obviously, you mentioned the, the ankle turn, and it was impossible to predict what level he was at moment to moment. I'm not even fully sure that he knew until he went up and actually tried to do something how he was feeling. And yet, no matter what any of that looked like, as we mentioned, they just seemed to have an answer. They only got to the free throw line six times. And yes, they were 14 of 28 from deep, but that primarily came from a couple of guys. And BAM wasn't good. Their guards weren't, their point guards weren't very good. I mean, I thought Lowry was all right, I guess. But it's just another box score that you look up and you don't have a great grasp on exactly how they ended up in position to win this game.
0: I, I, it's, you, I, I am again, just flabbergasted. I think by like the fact that they got here, I mean, they won this game seven on the road game six. They were really buoyed. Miami was by guys that are like role guys being hot from the get go. And that mm-hmm. didn't even exactly happen here. They weren't like put ahead by like Caleb Martin ended up playing great. But they didn't, weren't, like, buoyed by them in the front. And it's just the, they're constantly just kind of there. Like, you're getting eight from Strews. You're getting ten from Robinson. Heywood Highsmith, you know, has a, a, a timely bucket at this point. You know, look, Lowry didn't play great. Five assists, two turnovers, seven points. It was a plus 26, whatever single game plus minus is worth. And he hits that, yeah. like, and he, and he, hits a, he hit a jump shot. That I texted you, Kyle Lowry. Oh my God! About because he hits a step back over Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown's like not even really contesting it. It just is like. Can we talk just, about the shot that Jalen Brown took before that? I think we. Well, I think, well, that the I think place can you, we can we just have a Jalen Brown conversation yes. because the place oh to go, God. the real
1: reason that they're here, right, is the Celtics rolled over a little bit again and didn't have answers here, and and I think from the brown from the brown perspective, it can't be separated from Tatum getting hurt. And I think if any, if this game showed us anything about Jalen Brown, to me, it is the limitations of what he can realistically be asked to do in a situation when he's not a supporting player, a, you know, making others better by doing what he does, filling in the gaps. If he has to be uncomfortable, he just doesn't have enough there. The ball had to be in his hands, and it's just not going to happen. How many turnovers did he finish with? Is it eight, nine, eight? Eight turnovers when your best players goes down. That's not how great teams are typically constructed. When one guy goes down, nobody's good enough to fill that in. You can't have that big of a weakness with your two best players. They should be able to step up for one another.
0: Jalen Brown was an all-NBA player and deservedly so in the regular season. But you see what is what happens with him when the game has gotten in half court. And as you pointed out, Tatum not being at his best and, and clearly bothered by that ankle. How many times in this game do we see Jalen Brown play careless basketball? I mean, twice in the fourth quarter or late in the game when this theoretically was so competitive. He has the, the play in the corner where he just goes left and it's just a, a free takeaway for Miami. And the other one where he just doesn't feel Jimmy Butler coming on his hip, and Jimmy pokes away and goes in, and you immediately call a timeout. He made so many like, and the three the that I was just
1: that just yeah. got us here, which was just a pull up three with like fifteen seconds on the, on the clock at one of the last possessions where they actually like realistically had a chance to get back in the game.
0: He had over half of his team's turnovers. Over half. He was not at the, he. He is not in this game. And really, part a lot of the series not at the level you need to be if you're going to overcome a Tatum anklinger and Tatum not showing up like he did in game seven against Philly, like he, he just wasn't. In the, ha- the, care- the the care, it's Brenner. What I think really would bother me if I am Boston with Jalen, what I think would really irk me if I'm looking at what he is. This is a guy that is going to be due a massive, massive contract here shortly, and in the biggest game of your season. Was careless with the ball over and over and over again, and not playing. I don't think he was careless with the ball.
1: I think he can't dribble the ball in a way that a primary offensive creator should be able to do. I just think I and I like that sounds so like awful, but it's like at a certain point, it's just true.
0: He can't do that. It's a skill he doesn't have right now. Yeah, and I think I think the other. Let me let me rephrase this then. I think that's a correct point. What Jalen is. Or is not, maybe is a better way to put it. It feels like there is built-in limitations to how good your team, if he's going to be your clear, clear number two. He is not an all-ball creator. He is just not an apex on-ball creator. There are times where it works. There's times against smaller defenders and in the regular season and against poor defenses where he looks better at it. I am sh- yeah. I think we talked about on the show how his handle has looked better. But at times in this game, when Tatum, when Tatum had picked his spots, hits and threes and things, it worked. The second best on-ball creator for Boston in this game was Derek White. If Jalen Brown is going to get this contract, if Jalen Brown is an all-NBA guy and is all these things and is just worth every penny and stuff, like, it can't, he can't be that. That is like just a really tough place to be for what he is. And if, 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 if Jalen is just a little... Even just a margin, has four, has four turnovers instead of eight, which eight, by the way, more than the other four starters combined. Just bad. Over half. This is this feels like a game that could have been closer if there's just a little less sloppiness from so
1: the question then is right like the the reason I think you make the distinction that he can't rather than that he was just careless or made mistakes is that is
0: can't can't, we should say I think can't in these situations I think like saying absolution in these things is like I think always a little bit unfair but I think it is like the the context of like him doing it at this moment in the series, it doesn't feel like he can fully do it, and that the that reason is that the I problem. feel
1: comfortable going far enough to say can't is that he is. This is exactly what happened in the finals last year. That's the reason yeah. that they already lost the series. It's 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 just the the scouting report on him. I mean, you pointed out how Jimmy was able to just you know swipe it from him multiple times, and the reason that that's the case is because. It's out. The book is out. So yeah, camp maybe is a little bit aggressive. whatever. I think the way that I put it a second ago is what's fair. He can't do it at the level that a secondary creator on a championship team needs to be able to do it. Um, and that I think is fair. What I would say is it's a such a symbol of just where their team is. Because what I was gonna ask you is like, well, if he didn't, you know, if, if he had fewer turnovers what's the other outcome? Because I think the other outcome is he took tons of shots as well. So it's not like he was always turning the ball over. He also took ten more shots than anybody. And then it's like, well, then a lot of the time you would say, okay, well, even a simple, like draw a, you know, one, you know, what is it one dribble and a good decision, right? That's like the, the cliche phrase that people use when you're just catching the ball and getting into the paint. Usually a simple pass is going to at least create some kind of opening. Well, even if we imagine a world where he's able to do that consistently, well, then their shooters are going to be the ones getting those shots. And that is a weakness of their team is how much, how reliant they already are on threes and how streaky their shooters can sometimes be and how much they leave themselves open to did our did our threes go in. And so then it's like, well, then you're just kind of back to a different issue with this team. And I, and I think, you know, the contract is obviously going to have plenty of time to be sorted out and you and I are going to talk about it plenty. But I think that is a valid thing to bring up because it's like, it wasn't just limitations of Jalen. It's limitations of Jalen on this team, in this Celtics situation. Is he balancing and giving you enough to complement what else is already there and complement Tatum? And I think this game with Tatum so hobbled and him not able to do that is just like the perfect encapsulation of why it's it's just not possible. Like He had that one lob to Robert Williams at one point, I think in the third quarter. And I was like, damn it like just if you could just do that consistently like that would be such a that would be a perfect example of what you're talking about of like if he could just turn some of those into just something like five ten percent more beneficial to the team but I, that's why i just feel like it's like can't because it's it's like well you've been in the league for so long if you could do it you'd be doing it in a spot like this
0: yeah no i i think that is correct i let's we will do a Celtics autopsy at some point because I think this is obviously a very pivotal summer for them. Um, any other any other game seven thoughts, Brandon, before we move on to the finals? I, I This series as a whole to me was very just hard to predict kind of all over the place. I didn't feel like there was a point where you texted me like, I think this is over. And I I like I think in my heart and heart if I agreed, and I also was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston just like pulled some bullshit out of out of their pocket they kinda and kinda did. Like,
1: like they cut yeah. it back to like fifteen after that, and yeah. it like felt like it might be interesting again. I do have one more thing. I think we should talk yeah. about Butler and Tatum a little bit more because okay. um, you had texted me something while we while we were watching of Tatum's injury. And mm-hmm. we were debating whether it's actually realistic that they could have benched him. And I think on the whole He played well enough and he had enough spots where, whether it was the one three he made in a key moment or he was able to get to the mid range pull up once or twice, he was passing well, even if he wasn't actually creating offense for himself consistently. Like, as far as a guy with a sprained ankle goes, I think he gave you like this was better than like James Harden with the hamstring stuff in that 2021 Brooklyn Milwaukee series where Harden's just like camped out at the free throw line because he couldn't move. Like, this was Mm -hmm. not that. And I was I was disagreeing with you that they couldn't bench him. I was like, yes, you can if he's going to hurt your team. I don't know what the better option would have been because Brogdon was active in this one, but he didn't play well and they went to Hauser and like they, they didn't sure. really have another guy. So maybe there was no way to do it. But the reason that I actually come down and end up agreeing with you is because Butler's ankle was fucked as well. <laughs> like yeah. Butler also was playing on a bad ankle and so you can't take like that, that like, Confidence, pride hit of like that guy's doing 12 of 28 with seven rebounds, six assists and 28 points in a, in a, in a closeout game. But I'm going to hit the bench cause I'm too hurt. But I, that's like also, such a game seven thing that these guys were both just like on their absolute last gas and somehow just like one guy had to do it and he did. And now Miami won.
0: Yeah. Let's, I want to say something about Tatum. I don't come away from this series or these playoffs, like really feeling any worse about Tatum in any way. I think there is some variance built into what he is and the way he plays that I think can be very frustrating. I think that is absolutely true. I also think the way that he played in Game 7 against Philly, I think down the stretch of Game 6 against Philly, the last couple games had some really big moments, and the toughness to play through that ankle tonight. I I don't come away from this, these, this playoff run for Boston and it ending in a poor way thinking... That's the guy that, like, you know, I'm unsure about that guy. I, there's obviously room for improvement. I think some tweaks to how he plays in the shot diet, I think, would do serve him well in a playoff setting. And I think kind of build in some more variance to that Celtics offense. I think that's one of the things I would be looking at if I'm them to, to kind of retool for next season. But I, I don't come away from this playoffs really feeling weird about Tatum. I feel it's about, okay, like, how do we best support Tatum going forward and is brown at, at the small GDP of another country, the right way to yeah. do that
1: yeah i don't feel any differently about tatum but i also don't feel better which no he would i would have maybe better hoped for right I, like but, i mean it, he still like, kind of needs to fill out the the mid-level scoring and the passing I, and that was what we said coming off of last year so i don't feel i feel like i would have liked to feel even better even if they lost in the same way say they well, lose game seven he yeah. hasn't really like made me feel like okay he's five percent better than he was this time last year which is can a I, problem because he's he's also getting to the prime age like like brown is <laughs>
0: yeah and also next summer, his money. Um, let me ask you a follow-up to that. did you feel differently after game seven against Philly? Like, did you feel differently about him after that game?
1: I felt like it was a huge moment in terms of having the poise and the especially with how many questions there are about like their togetherness and kind of like stick to. Stick to itiveness, just like after game five, it could have been over and it Mm -hmm. wasn't. And he was the one who put them on their back in the fourth quarter of game six and then all throughout game seven. But basketball wise, like what he the way he went about doing that, I know he can make pull up threes over seven footers that are slow, sure. So it's like the what he did against Joel Embiid to get to 51. I know that wasn't the only buckets he made, but like that was kind of the big thing. That's like, well, you've been doing that, you know what I mean? So Obviously, it's huge. Like he he has the record for most points in a game seven. Like I sound like an idiot criticizing it. But if you're asking me like long term or building the team, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, he unlocked that. I don't think there's a thing you could say that about.
0: I think that's right. I still I I think that I I think maybe if there's anything I I do feel better about with Tatum is that I think that. Not shying away from taking on the responsibility after games, the way he started Game Six and then that bleeding into that Game Seven, I think reflects really well on him. And I think just playing through the ankle reflects on him. So like that would give me hope that it's like you you adjust some of these things. And I think I think like it's funny because it's a couple years ago there was like him talking about Kobe and and that like I there there could just a little I've kind of come back around on mid range stuff, Brendan. Like I think it's just like a useful tool in your bag as much as we fetishize three pointers and like it's rims and it's shots at the rim and it's threes. And like, that's like the modern shot diet, especially in the playoffs there's such a need to play in that in-between space and, and yeah. draw fouls. And I think Tatum, if there, if there's a thing that he as well as Joe Missoula orchestrating the offense and one and, and change tweaking the formula for next year, that is where I would go for them like honestly yeah like it probably won't be fun for for tatum but in addition to kobe tape maybe like watch some jimmy butler tape <laughs>
1: That just that's just cruel uh you can't like you can't make him watch uh he give can, him some mj stuff I'll, or you know there's there's better yeah, okay ex- there's, i'll, there's I'll more send a
0: kind example well well I'll, if i if you know I, I won't but if if there's a world where someone could send like you know the commercial with NECA and jimmy for like a michael someone can send him jason a cold Michelob you know, across the bar, and be like, Hey, yeah. Watch some Jimmy tape. Maybe you won dates. You could, could own big, yeah. a, a, a very expensive coffee company and have Michelob beds.
1: Uh, yes. I think any of those guys who have honestly started their game from the mid range and actually rounded it out from there, he's in the opposite direction, but it, but it's needed. Um, book, we book can get to the finals anoth- here.
0: Book would be another one that I would be like, sure. "Book, Understand, but just book, book is at that age and like they have a similar like ability to play different speeds. And I think he mm-hmm. could just be like, but book understands like the value of like those of, of the mid and understand. Well, like and that's the thing is like
1: Tatum him. has the footwork and the patience and he kind has of the, like, the size and he has the size. Yeah, and nobody's going to contest his shot if he actually no. has an
0: approach to get to it's, it. Um, yeah. Especially if they hunt switches and do the thing that teams do, which is like, Hey, can we yeah. get a guard on him? And even if it's like a bulkier guard, He's big enough to pull up over those guys. He's
1: pulling them exactly. up and beat. Imagine him at like the extended post against Gabe Vincent in this series. But that's just like not something they could do. They, if they're going to post up a mismatch, it it has to be Horford or Smart because those are the only guys who actually have that uh that that game to them. But the last thing I was going to say here on the Celtics and just this game seven, because uh, Derek White for a moment felt like he was going to be the savior again, and then you look at his box score, and it's actually just sort of <laughs> ordinary. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The way he's been able to help this team since they traded for him at the deadline last year um, should really be like uh, it it should show the Celtics front office the value of legitimate, like, connective, real guards. You know what I mean? Not Mm -hmm. Rogden, not smart but more guys like White. I'm not saying you have to trade those other two guys. I mean, I know it's easier said than done. Those are very good players, but that 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 should be a lesson, that when when White plays so well, they really look like a different team. That should carry over for them as they're building out their roster.
0: That is an archetype of player that I love, and I think there, even if you find a bargain version of that, um, like I, I think of a, well, I, I, the name, the name, <laughs> The name I went to that if I don't know what he's going to do, but if he ends up on the market this summer because he declines his player option and I think if he ends up on a good team. I think like Dante DiVincenzo could be like that kind of like that's the kind of archetype like the shooting's sure. like a little bit less there and he's maybe a little smaller. But that is like the template of like connector guy who like knows how to play and isn't going to hijack your shit like that guy would fit this like if a good team went and got him. I think he would help a lot of good... Like, a lot of the good teams just need that kind of piece to make things work a little bit better. You know who was the biggest winner of tonight's game? The Miami Heat, because they made the fucking well, NBA Finals. Pat Riley? Sure. Pat Riley's
1: the coolest guy on the
0: planet. Um, do you think we're gonna... Do you think we're gonna... Do you think we're gonna yeah, if I'm Adrian Brody's agent right now, because Adrian Brody plays him on winning time, I yep. am absolutely... Like there's a writer's strike going on right now. Solidarity with the season two's coming though. It's already done. Yeah, it's already done. But I'm like already being like, hey, like, do you guys want to do like Pat Riley like with the Knicks as like a spinoff or like he Adrian will dye his hair green, like you know, he'll he'll dress like Miami, salt like Dipper. D- yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll 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 do like Don, and we can do Don Miami era if you want to, you know. Yeah. I would be more
1: than happy to watch Adrian Brody reenact every era of Pat Riley. Pat Riley like genuinely is one of those guys that there are fewer and fewer of because the league is getting older, but you could genuinely tell the story of basketball through Pat Riley. He was on the Knicks in the sixties, I think, or at the very least the seventies. And now he is still overseeing a team that is in the NBA finals. So it's uh, pretty damn cool. He's, I don't know if you have one of these, Chris, but when I went to the combine in 2019, I don't really like, maybe when I was first going to games, I got a little starstruck, but the sun sucked so bad that I kind of just got, (laughs) I got used to it around guys who weren't intimidating. And then by the time the intimidating guys came around, I was just sort of, you know, accustomed to be, okay, there's Chris Paul. Yeah, not, you know, not like it's nothing, but I'm not going to, you know, cower in my boots about it. Pat Riley, walking past because the NBA combine is just, everybody's everywhere. There's no, there's no, like media is really restricted and there's no fans. So they don't have to be careful at all. They just walk around. Pat Riley walked by me and I like got goosebumps. I was like, that's Pat Riley. Like, I don't know why that guy of all guys, but he just looked, he same exact way. He looked on the TNT broadcast today, just in a suit, slicked back hair and uh, just looking as cool as can be and successful as hell. And I was like, okay, that did it for me. I finally had a, you know, opening in the armor and he hit me.
0: That would be very. He would be high up on my list if I was. Get, he would be the one I think because like I don't have that like the if the, the recent years of Phil Jackson kind of take that away from me. I've never been um, close
1: up like that with Michael Jordan, but I would imagine he is on that. Uh, the closest thing, the close,
0: the the closest thing I think I could say is that being at All Star Weekend for um, NBA seventy five, I was an elevator adjacent to Kareem. And he was like kind of in his own yeah. little thing, and that was very cool. Um, also, and just like
1: taller than everybody, so that's another factor with Kareem. He just sure. literally larger than life, you know.
0: Yeah, and just and just seeing, and just seeing like the various people. Not even getting to like interact with them or like be close to them, but just like seeing all these people. Like seeing like LeBron and Michael like talk. I was just like, what I would pay for like a boom mic right now well the thing
1: about Riley too is like not to be you know I I would love to age as as well as some of those guys but uh you know others maybe less so whereas Pat Riley it's like he could just be like alongside like De Niro and Pacino and like you know Heat 2 or something and it would be <laughs> just normal you know he just looks like the coolest <laughs> most handsome dude even though he's 80 years old that's part of the like you know intimidation factor that Pat Riley brings he's like I still am better at this than you I still look better doing it and I'm never quitting,
0: Michael. Mann, all I ask is you just like do that, please, for Heat Two. I cannot like, Like, are are you a Heat guy, Brendan? We haven't like not so a I watched it for the
1: first time over the weekend.
0: I've never <sighs> okay, seen it we, before. Okay, we we can't do this here because it's not. But like, we need to have a long conversation about this because that movie is is incredibly important stuff.
1: So let me tell you who the real winner that I meant when I asked you that question before our rally film. And the Miami Adam, Heat
0: are obviously Adam Driver biggest. because he's going to be in Heat too. Austin Butler yeah. because he's going to be in Heat too. That's that's the winners yes. here.
1: So it's okay. Miami Heat, then those two guys. So I guess my 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 answer that I had is is now number four on this ranking that we're coming up with on the fly. But no, the Denver Nuggets. These teams just beat the shit out of each other. Jimmy Butler can barely run up and down the court for 48 minutes, and the Nuggets were already going to be favorites before any yeah. of that even happened. Even if the Heat swept the Celtics, the Nuggets were going to be favorites. Now they're even more a week of extra rest and, uh, you know, a few battered and bruised guys later, and all of a sudden the Nuggets uh, get to take the scattered remains of the Miami Heat on for seven games. Um, Is this... What's the... What's the best case scenario for Miami to be competitive in this series to you?
0: The best case the for blueprint? Miami... The blueprint is, number one, that they are able to grind this into a, into a muck. Not that Denver can't succeed through the muck, because they can. They have Nicole Jokic. She is kind of like muck-proof. But their thing is going to have to be to do what they've done pretty much every series season's playoffs, which is make it really, really grimy, which is make it uncomfortable. And it's for Jimmy to, I think really be prime Jimmy and foul hunt and, in that ankle. I don't like, maybe it's just, you take game one and you just kind of coast and you, you take that game and take the L and then game two, you kind of rev up a little bit. But Jimmy, if, if Jimmy is not just trying to draw 10, 12, 14 free throws a game, I, they're not going to win a game in this series like he has to i think be that and be make Jokic uncomfortable in that way that that's the vulnerability um they're not sure. exactly the perfect team to i think break that open but jimmy would be the path to do it and then you just and you got to get lucky with your role guys again you need robinson and Struess and and gave vince and gave and Caleb martin and all these guys to show up yeah. and hit things and then we'll see if hero comes back i, I don't totally know if Hero would be such an interesting wrinkle to this, Brendan, because he they need the offensive punch. They need the shooting. They just like need more offense, particularly if yeah. against Denver, like if they want any shot. But there's also yeah. just like a, a change in quality that you will have if you don't have Hero. But I think this all starts with Jimmy. It's about Jimmy and how that goes for them. And obviously, we'll talk about it more, but the, the Bam-Jokic component of this yeah. is going to be fascinating.
1: Yeah. So let's go back to the Jimmy and and Jokic foul part of it because you said it's not a perfect guy to do that. You know, maybe like prime James Harden is the perfect guy to do that.
0: But like, I mean, he is the, the guy, the perfect guy. To, there's two guys that come to mind, two formulas. I think it's like prime LeBron, who's just downhill and could jump sure. all the time. And then I think it's I think it's Durant. I think those are like the mm. two. Well, Durant didn't do it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but uh, but, uh, that's where I was going to go is like no one else
1: has done this. And LeBron was the other, you know, obviously their last opponent. And like this, I mean, it's come up as we've talked about the Nuggets all playoffs. Like I don't fully get why it is so hard for teams to try to exploit Denver defensively and particularly Jokic. I think it's that the margin for error is so small that again you don't always have time to hunt Jokic when you just need a bucket. I would have liked the Boston matchup a little bit because it would have allowed it would have been the first time Jokic would have had to guard on the perimeter with an actual five-out team. He hasn't had to do that a little bit against the Lakers, I guess you could say, but but not in a real way. Um, And then the Jimmy component is is the other challenge that the Miami. Now that we know that's who it is, could pose. And if there's anybody who's going to just try to junk it up and commit fully to that bit, I feel like it's Jimmy. You know? And so mm-hmm. it, it, some of it is just you have to be trying to do it. You have to be committed to saying, like, we're going to exercise our advantages and i don't think any team denver has faced has actually been able to like consistently say you're gonna play our game you're gonna respond to what we do maybe the heat aren't act are not gonna do that either but that's like part of what has to happen is you can't just fall into their trap of up and down letting them score letting them get to what they want to do um and jimmy i think defensively is part of that too because you have in our notes that he's going to be the guy to guard Murray, they also can be one of the only teams that has actually tried to switch the Jokic Murray pick and roll consistently, and I think mm-hmm. Jimmy defending call. Jokic, especially late in the clock, is something that could be interesting in the series too.
0: Yeah, I, I think the question just goes, how healthy is he? Not very. So, like, does he have that gear in him, or we, like, is he is he the meme come to life of him slumped over the? over the side you know like is that where he's at just with the ankle with his health with his gas tank right now i think that's very possible i mean he's been well, playing that's why Hero minutes. would be
1: so big right if they could just yeah. get 15 points a game from hero that makes such well, a difference
0: and, and someone else to like initiate the offense yeah. and be like in control of the flow that would be a really big deal um he hero just doing that maybe gives jimmy 10 percent more energy to to do jimmy other jimmy butler shit yeah so,
1: you mentioned how the Nuggets are just straight up more talented, and the Heat have been the less talented team in just about every series that they've been in. Uh, maybe not the Knicks, but Miami well, has Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, I don't know. Heading into this game, Miami had the sixth best half court offense in the playoffs and the eighth best transition offense. I don't know how that team is going to the finals yet. Here we are but I just don't know if they're going to be able to score enough to keep up with Denver. Like it just, all the stuff we said is, is going to matter, but just like straight up point blank. I just don't know if they're going to be able to match if the games are in the one tens and one twenties, the way that Denver has played. I just don't, I just don't think they can win that way. And can they really grime up, Six games, seven straight games against a team that's so polished, like the Nuggets. Like the one thing the, that the Heat do have is they're plus twenty three in the clutch in the playoffs. Sure. Denver's plus nine, so it's not like they've been bad. Boston was minus two, so you know that's part of why Miami won this series. But can is that even enough of an advantage over the Nuggets? Like I don't really know of any offensive pathway for the Heat to like say we're going to own this series on the offensive end. I just I don't see a portion unless it really is just, you know, Jimmy with 20 free throws a game.
0: Brennan, here's the answer. There's not an offensive pathway. It's not it's not I don't think it's it's I think it's beyond I don't know if there is one. I don't there isn't one. They're yeah. just they're not built to to get in to like Nicole Jokic loves the ponies. Definitely was probably watching ponies instead of watching this game. They don't have the ponies to keep up with Jokic. They don't. Like there's there's just no even if hero comes back and is right and. And his his cardio isn't affected in a meaningful way, they're just not gonna keep up. It's just not gonna happen. Like there's just not a pathway for, for Miami to compete with Denver in that way. They have yeah. like one very narrow path to victory. They've won and it's the muck, it is Jimmy, and it is good enough defense, and just you hope to God that you just some of the shooting for Denver breaks the other way. That's it. And that's the path. Mm-hmm. So
1: As we've been doing this more, I obviously think about, you know, what I'm going to say ahead of time. How 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 long ago did you come up with the ponies thing
0: Uh, on the spot? Wow. That's impressive. It sounded rehearsed, but I had to I had to check. No, this this was not this was not a Chris Manning. um, This was not a Chris Manning preps himself for lines. This was Chris Manning on the fly. Brennan, we have already got a Tyler Hero update. Okay. Chris Haynes has reported that Miami Heat guard Tyler Hero is ramping up workouts and is expected to make his return at some point during the NBA Finals with Game 3 being the likely target. That's tough.
1: They got to win one of those first two. Otherwise, Tyler's (laughs) going to be in hell mentally going into that game. You know, they lose the first two and then it's like, hey, buddy, go win us a game. Yeah. Welcome back.
0: You know, yeah, and score I think for us, brother, and it's like, do they win game two? Because like, I just I think I think Denver's probably rolling in game one. Yeah, at out. This is at altitude. They've been off. They are healthy. They are. The heat are banged up and Jimmy. So, OK, let me run through the minutes. It is in of, three days, so that's nice for the heat still, but. You're going to altitude kind of wipe some of that away, yeah, man. Sure. Um, here, here's the minute totals for the guys who played for the Heat on, on Monday night. Jimmy played 43, played 47 the previous game, I think, right? Or something close to that. Caleb Martin played 45, just a light 45 for Caleb Martin. Bam played 43, Gabe Vincent played 26, Strews played 28, Duncan Robinson played 20, Highsmith played 9, and Lowry played 24. Kevin Love is just out of the rotation. Cody Zeller is just out of the rotation and their main guys are just playing 40 plus minutes a night. Here we are Miami. He Jimmy like 3 days. Jimmy better already be Jimmy like should do his post game meat availability, have like one beverage and then just like it's it's comp it's those you know those those massive like compression boots. Those are on the plane to get you to Denver. A lot of massage, a lot of, a lot of Theragun, like just some kind of massage gun, like just whatever. The gun that
1: Dwayne Dedman threw onto the yeah, court
0: earlier this season. That, that, that should be at the Hall of Fame, to be honest. Like if that they should win, be. if
1: they beat Denver, it absolutely, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's its own exhibit at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you. And I think you're right that Denver will probably just spank them in game one. I think that, you know, You and I, I think, are on the same page that this could wrap up pretty quickly uh, as a series. Might be entertaining. We don't know. I'm not saying the games won't be close, but, you know, we seem to be aligned there. Let's talk about Bam, because I think, you know, a pathway for the Heat to win includes an otherworldly performance from him. I think they're going to have to double Jokic. Can Unless I, can they're I, crazy enough to try Jimmy against him or Kevin Love. or I don't, I don't even think they have. They don't have the horses for. They don't have the ponies for that.
0: Like very said. happy for Kevin Love that now every time he has made the NBA final, made the playoffs, he's made the finals. Good for him. He's not going to factor into the series in the way he did in the Cleveland series. Like, he's just not. Um, but good, good for no, him. No, because he also they,
1: can't guard Jeff Green. Yeah, which is also like a sneaky thing that the Heat kind of don't have an answer for. It's like Jeff Green at the five <laughs> and the in the second unit. It's like they just really don't
0: match up with this team very well. Really happy for Jeff Green, big, big Jeff Green fan. Um, Brendan, here here are Nicole Jokic's numbers uh, against the Miami Heat in the regular season this year. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you played around with this. Stathead has this new versus feature, and you can do specifically versus teams and seasons. Um, I've wasted a lot of time on this. Not this Honestly, one. Honestly, salute
1: to them for pulling that off because the NBA.com one sucks. So
0: Yeah, uh stathead's great. It's worth your money. Um okay. Thirty five minutes and two across two games, twenty three points a game, ten assists, twelve boards. Shot uh shot sixty nine point two percent on twos.
1: <laughs> good grief.
0: <laughs> yeah, good good grief is a is really it- true. Right, and true shooting percentage of 74.8%. He took four free throws. Didn't even have to take free throws, and he just, like, walking into 23-12-10. To
1: yeah, he's going to average a triple-double in this
0: series. He is. And he is He's going he to. Oh, like, oh, my goodness.
1: When, I don't know when the NBA media, like, NBA PR decides on the panel of voters for finals MVP, but they should just announce the panel and Jokic getting finals MVP at the same time. Yeah, they we
0: don't. We don't. Here's who's yeah. voting.
1: We've received their votes. It's Jokic. The games you, will be yeah. aired starting Thursday. Enjoy, enjoy the series. But you know, we're gonna ruin yeah. it for you. Like spoiler yeah. alert.
0: Yeah, the script writers can like put that one in, in ink. Yeah, as the kids would say. Uh, it's like so. The Bam part of this. Can we? I want to start with the offensive side for Bam. Okay. Because I think he has to. If if Jokic Jokic is probably, I would assume Jokic is gonna guard him, right? So what does that look like he he in the late part of that Celtics series I think looked often very lost on offense to me. He would when he when they did the thing that they started doing where he dribble up the ball he would look for like he wouldn't really pass. He just sometimes take like a pull up jumper, like eighteen seconds. I I didn't he I didn't understand what that was going for. There was no rhythm to it. He has a little bit of Jalen Brown syndrome, and I think he gets a little nervous. Yeah, he, he, yeah, and he, like he tries really hard. Like he's willing to drive. He's willing to to bang and, and go at guys. He's he's smaller than Jokic. Jokic isn't like an elite rim protector by any means, but like he's big enough and strong enough to like put his arms up and and move. Like that's not going to be a big option for Bam. Um, I don't he's not going to be able to like out offensive rebound him and annoy him in that way. He's not going to get in Jokic's head in the way he can with other guys. That he you know, he had seven assists, but Bam defensively is going to be in for like a real big challenge forever. However long he's on Jokic and, and how that looks for Miami and and and, and his responsibilities in the zone, uh, which we sh- there's a there's a point about the zone we need to hit as well, because I sent you that during the game from, from, from Matt Moore. Bam on offense, like, can't just feel like he's a nothing. And to me, he felt like he was a nothing for much of this series. And if he plays like he did against Boston on offense, like there's no like there's no path. Like we talked about the Jimmy part of it. If Bam isn't providing you actual offensive value, Miami can't win this series. So
1: yes, I think defensively to get that out of the way quickly, I feel like Bam is sneaky strong, but Jokic is just another level. Nobody is going to physically match Jokic enough to stop him from what he's trying to do. And so I think Bams maybe stronger than he has been in previous series when he was getting exposed by, let's say Giannis or, you know, whatever you want to point to. I think Bams a better player defensively, even than he was prior. I also think he's a more steady guy. So some of the, like the late game block that he had in game six, that's a huge play that you just have to kind of stick out your struggles and just make, and he did. And, you know, he's had big rebounds and different things like that. Offensively, what I think they have to do is use him as a facilitator. I think that they have to have him, you know, at the top of the key or at the elbow and playing in the dribble handoff game or, you know, picking out shooters, maybe even in the short roll, although Denver's used to that. They know how to kind of respond to that. They know how to collapse the help and Get the ball out of that guy's hands or make him take a tough shot. It's what the Suns try to do with Aiton. It's what all teams know they need to try to do because Jokic is going to come up in the pick and roll. It's not rocket science. The, the, the Nuggets will be ready. So I actually think just putting Bam, putting the ball in Bam's hands from the jump is probably the best. Um, but then you're, you know, you're sort of taking one of your best interior scorers out of the picture. And we were talking about foul trouble and trying to put pressure on Jokic. That's not doing that. And so the best way to maximize Bam might actually be the worst way to attack Denver in a way because we know Bam isn't going to be able to score one-on-one. I mean, the way that Horford was able to swallow up Bam at times, Jokic can do that. Hey, stand there, and this guy's going to kind of bumble around, and you just have to not foul him and not make a mistake. And most likely, he'll take a tough shot or turn it over. Like, Jokic can execute that. So... It feels like Bam is a little bit of a man without a mission here in this series offensively, unless he can just have like an otherworldly playmaking series.
0: And I, I just, I think he's going to go, I think he's going to get put through the ringer in this. I think it's going to, this is going to be a tough series for us on the Bam wagon.
1: Yeah, well, you said he was bad this series or like not, not consistently effective. I mean, we had a whole fawning over Bam session like after game two or three. So, I mean, it's I think just, he was good in their wins and
0: bad in their losses. I mean, like yeah. like a lot of guys. It's just offensively, he looks like kind of like rudderless right now. Like, I, I, I think he just... You see how it is very hard for bigs unless you're like Jokic or Embiid. It's just really hard for bigs out here. We saw that with Anthony Davis and Bam just being the second best player on Miami's team. I mean, or if he's third, if Caleb Martin's actually first, but like, it's just hard. And it's like, you're yeah. seeing all that. And it's like, if
1: he if, it's the other Mobley there, thing, right? I mean, it's the same exact thing. If you can't dribble as a big man and you can't shoot mm-hmm. threes, what are you?
0: Yeah. Uh, in you're, 2023. You're, you're, wait, tune into the Lockdown Cavs on Friday. The other show I host where Brendan uh, will be talking about Evan Mobley. And I can Jake, Jake produces that one too. And he can't even dig me. 'Cause it's a show about the Cavs. And I shouldn't be dinged for this either because Brennan brought it up. Uh Brennan, we have a line for the series for at least game for, okay. for game one. All right. Uh, full game lines for friends at ben and GM. Uh, the Nuggets are seven and a half point favorites. Minus three fifty money line over under for points set at two nineteen point five.
1: I would take seven and a half now because it's gonna go further in Denver's direction. Yeah. In my perf- in my professional opinion. Um yeah, you and I both have futures on Denver so, you know. Denver, we should just tell everybody uh, that now and oh, you know, we got let
0: the we got some more. They we be. got we got some more odds from Ben and Jim. Here we go. Okay. Nuggets are minus 400. Heater plus 300 to win. In the series or the game? In the series. Okay. Yeah. Jokic minus 300 to win MVP. Butler's plus 350. Murray is plus 1200. Bam is plus 4000. Caleb Martin, plus 5,000. MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Bruce, Brian, and Struce are all somewhere between plus 20,000 and plus 25,000.
1: Yeah, don't uh, bet any other nugget besides Jokic.
0: Yeah. Uh, f- series length, series final result. Correct series result. Denver, uh, 4-0, plus 550. Denver, 4-1, plus 230. That's, I think, where I would go. Denver, 4-2, plus 450. Denver, 4-3, plus 325. Heat, 4-3, eight fifty. Heat 4-2 plus 700. Heat 4 at 4-1 four plus 2,000. And, he, and a Heat Sweep plus 4,000.
1: Uh good stuff. Um, or, sorry,
0: excuse me, plus, plus 4,000. Not minus 4,000, plus 4,000. I, I think said, you said I, plus. Okay, yeah, I, I wanted to... I, I panicked for a second because if I said minus 4,000 Heat Sweep, that would be insane, and it's no. plus 4,000. No. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: to, to wrap a bow on this and, and the band thing, like, again, dude is about to turn 26 it's okay. But I think this playoff series has shown that, or this playoff run, even in when he's been good, I think has shown the handles, the thing for him, you know, and Draymond's always been the comp. Draymond can dribble the ball, you know, and he's, Um, yeah, yeah, he can dribble the ball, you know, in, in transition, he can occupy and not turn it over when he needs to as a facilitator. And he is a smart passer who makes good decisions, which Bam has that, but, You just got to round out the game. And I think this series will be even more so than the Lakers series was for Bam, where he actually kind of fit in really well. This one will probably be one where it's like, all right, like not back to the drawing board, but like, you know, if he does struggle, I think it'll be cool to see kind of how he reacts, but we might be getting too far down because we have not watched this series yet, but um, it's, it's going to be a fun matchup with those two guys and, how the Nuggets try to guard Jimmy, too, like we talked about. I don't really know. I'm Probably Gordon to start, but Bruce Brown might get a shot at it, and those guys have a history. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah. All right, let's make some picks on this series and get out of here. Uh, Brendan, we should note a uh, friend of the program. Yeah, yeah. I'm just claiming him as friend of the program. Matt Moore had a tweet that uh, the Nuggets are the best team in the regular season and the postseason against so zone defenses. What does Miami do to really muck things up and rely on defensively? Zone defense.
1: Yeah. Seems important. Yeah, in this series, I think what they'll do is swarm Jokic and hope to God that the shooters miss. I think that'll be what we see. And I don't know how sound of a strategy that's going to be.
0: All right, what's your pick? My
1: prediction is 4-1. Uh, nuggets. Same.
0: Nuggets in 5. Same. Same. I'm, I'm there. I think Jokic is going to win finals MVP. I think he's going to average a triple-double, and I think Denver is going to win this in pretty dominant fashion. I think is there's going to be, be like fun?
1: What's your prediction yes. on that? Are we going to like it? I think like it's it? going to be
0: yeah, I think I'm going to like it because I, there are certain things that I think are, I think we're going to get at least like some Jimmy bullshit that I love. And I think we're going to get just amazing. I think, I think Brennan, the, here's why this is going to be a fun finals. We're going to get to see Nicole Jokic on the biggest stage in basketball. We're going to get to celebrate Nicole Jokic's greatness. We're going to get to see him do just wizardry shit over and over and over again. We are going to get to see Nikola Jokic go and take the crown of being the best player alive, being the best player in the NBA right now, win a title, take something that people say he hasn't done, win win at the highest level. He's going to get to take that and say, you can't say that about me anymore. I just want a title. He, his resume and his abilities, for anyone being rational, will be bulletproof after this series. That is why this is going to be fun. This is Nikola Jokic celebration season and that you'll feel for jamal murray i'm sure we'll get some fun jimmy butler stuff i'm sure mike malone's going to talk a ton of crap this whole series and it's going to be hilarious but this is about Jokic and further crowning him as the best player we have in this league
1: well said i uh i hope that the subsequent special features about Jokic focus on something besides him being fat which is what espn started with so um, we will uh, we shall see how they cover all of that. Uh, you
0: want to do some coaching stuff? Yeah, I do hope Taco Bell brings back the quesadilla for the finals, and Jokic gets a big bag as a result of it.
1: If they if they're doing it, they gotta you know
0: bust it out soon because otherwise, yeah, let's go. I mean, let's bring it into production. All right, let's talk about coaches. So Adrian Griffin, um, I I, I want on a serious note with him. There there have been I think just two. Say it. he was at one point accused of domestic violence um he countersued his former partner um they settled out of court players around the league it seems like very much vouched for him but there is that part of his background that i think slowed where he get um he was in 2020 he was accused of public uh, domestic abuse by his former wife audrey sterling the raptors did not take any action. he was he was he then abandoned a libel suit against her in 2021 so that that is part of I think his process of getting here it doesn't seem like it has any obviously has not had any real effect that repercussions and you know all the normal no, we nothing don't
1: substantive to go off of it's a big it's a big question mark it's a big mystery and I don't really know how much there's not is a, out there about it. You know, I don't know how very, much a team. I, I, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a weird gray area. I don't know how much a team could know. There's not yeah. there's just there's just a real gap in what we're able to understand about it. Bingo. And teams are always able to fall back on that for better or worse. We don't know. We And that's not me cloudedly saying that it's it's a negative. It's just a big question mark. Um,
0: yeah. But Giannis liked him. Giannis liked him. Um, and it seems like players in Toronto loved him. seems like players around the league and his other stops have loved him. And finalists okay. in Chicago, right, when they hired Billy Donovan. Yeah, and he interviewed for a couple other jobs, uh, I believe, it was before that as well. Mm-hmm. And was in the running, I think, for another job this cycle. But, Brennan, let's start. I want to start by comparing this to other big at-stake hires is where I want to start with this. Because there is a lot at stake here. What is at stake for this hire, I think, is nailing it for the Bucks and continuing to satisfy Giannis, making feel like this is a place you're gonna continue building that even with some personnel stuff that you have the right coach to help it, to help transition you to what is gonna come next in this era of Giannis in Milwaukee. That is, I think, largely what's at stake. it's a little more complicated than that and when you dive into the personnel stuff, but from like a purely coaching hire, this is what that coaching hire is he has to help you win right now, and I think help you bridge something is what's to come. Here, here are some recent big hires that I think that were high pressure that came in really big transition moments for franchises trying to get to the highest, highest level. You have the Nets' big three air. They, they get Kenny Atkinson out of there, and they bring in Steve Nash. And Steve Nash was entirely in over his head. You have Darvin Ham with the Lakers after they felt they needed to move on from Frank Vogel. You have Nick Nurse in Toronto. Toronto obviously hits that wall several times um, with Dwayne Casey. They go with nurse, they do the quiet trade, it works out. The Cavs get LeBron back. Obviously the David Blatt was hired before LeBron comes back, but David Blatt is their head coach when LeBron comes back. That and also they were that that was supposed to like shepherd the next era of Kyrie Irving and, and Andrew Wiggins and Deanne Waiters. And uh I don't think David Blatt would have succeeded at that either in in retrospect. Willie Green in New Orleans with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and the pressure to get past what did not work in the Stan Van Gundy trial run, and then Nick. Now we'll t- we'll talk about him briefly at the end. But Nick Nurse again now in Philadelphia I think is on this list as well. Yeah. So Nick Nurse in, in a very different situation than he was in Toronto, but another high pressure situation. You have the Nick Nurse hat by the way. You have the merch. no. I no. He just seems no. I I would buy Pat Riley merch
1: though. Nick nurse logo is kind of whack. So like just make better merch and maybe I'll, I'm, a, maybe
0: I'll I'm a little I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the biggest. I'm, I'm a little, I'm much lower on Nick nurse than it was yeah. like when they won the title. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But there are more, think not so much, I guess.
0: Well, can expect to the Rio Grande, uh, Vipers in the, in the G league at all. I forgot. About all, that. It all goes back to, it all goes back to Houston, Brendan. It's all about the rockets. Um, Maybe diggers can be like, you know, James, you know what I love? I love the city of Houston too. We can we can enjoy it together on road trips twice, at one, once a year. And James will be like, no, I'm going to live. here
1: so that I made the right decision with my job. So
0: I can, so I can turn. Yeah. Can, can you imagine James Harden playing 40 minutes a game for Dick Nurse? Incredible. But I, I think the best comp for Adrian Griffin is Darvin Ham. Mm-hmm. This is a well-thought-of assistant with pedigree with players. Remember, Darvin Ham was beloved by Giannis. Darvin Ham has talked about how how Giannis is talking about how they missed Darvin Ham. They went for an assistant who has new ideas, who maybe is going to take some time to adjust, who is going to take some time to grow into the role. But we, what we saw with Darvin Ham is that where he was in game one was a very different place than where he ended up as a coach in the playoffs. He did a really, I think, a good job with, that, with a better roster, sure. But when he got to the playoffs, made a lot of the right lever pulls was not afraid to sit guys was not afraid to go away from certain things that weren't working and, and ride certain things and I think that is the right approach we cannot always project exactly how these things are going to work it is very hard it is it is impo- I think it's really hard for these teams to always know right like it like it just a lot of these coaching hires will not work this one might not work it's possible but I think with if you're gonna go if you're gonna move on from a guy that you've had a lot of success with I think going for a, a former player, who players respect, who seems like who is willing to evolve with the game and try different things. And has, and has just been part of the ecosystem of the NBA for a long time who, who can adjust some of what you do, but maybe won't try to reinvent the wheel and you're not chasing something super flashy. You didn't go get doc rivers because he's the biggest name in the market. You did did interview Nick nurse, but like you, you went in this different direction. You didn't do what the, the nets did, which is their original sin, which was hiring Steve Nash. Like that was got the too first cute. mistake. That got way too cute. Like way, way too cute. Adrian Griffin feels like it's like in this mold of a thing that the logic behind it and how you say, okay, we're going to get someone new who can come in and do some of what we probably already did and been really successful, but help us evolve and provide this new perspective. That's a really strong formula to me if you're approaching this coaching hire.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think... The Willie Green one is, is one of the ones that, that sticks out to me, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Adrian Griffin one is, is necessarily similar, but it's kind of this other form of pressure where it's a very real form of pressure in today's NBA, right? Where it's like, you have to keep these guys happy, and that means different things depending on the day. You know? Keep Zion healthy. Manage the workload that he's undergoing, work with the training staff. Oh, but also like don't make him too mad that he doesn't get to play or like doesn't get to play the way he wants to, and then well, you have to get him to play better defense because he hasn't been doing that, and it's 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 a hard thing to do, but I think Willie green the the team, his assist percentage was as high as it's ever been this year, Zion, as was all the defensive stats. That that he's had. And I think he had some decent moments defensively, especially just sort of in isolation and, and kind of executing what was being asked of him. And on top of that, I think Willie Green's gotten the most out of like their whole young supporting cast. So it's another example of a former player, well-respected, carved a path through the Golden State staff and the Phoenix staff. The time was there. The team did sort of hire him ahead of schedule. I mean, he had one year where he was like a high profile assistant and then they just snatched him up when the Suns were about to go to the finals and it's worked. And so I just feel like this is definitely a trend. No matter what point in the process that your team is in, it seems to be that the players responded well to it and management is increasingly kind of like opening its eyes to the fact that like, hey, these guys bring something that is valuable and can work and is fresh in a way that maybe we need to be. And I don't know if that's part of the changing of the guard with the generations of players kind of flip flopping over. And now just some different things are going to happen. And the guys that maybe a LeBron would have looked up to, I'd love to be coached by Tom Izzo or whatever is different than what, you know, a Zion would care about, but it seems pretty clear that that change is coming because cycle after cycle, the past couple of years, it's been, Young former players getting
0: these jobs, no matter how high stakes it might be. And I, and I think, Brennan, if there's a through line, like, because the, these are not, like, the, obviously the highest, like, maybe the highest level, the two highest level players we have as former coaches, unless I'm forgetting someone, are Chauncey Billups and then Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. Yep. Those are some of the worst coaches we had or have.
1: I wasn't ready for how blunt that was, but you're,
0: you're not wrong. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, like, like I don't no, think No, I was just kind could, of following like, your point, and then yeah. it just
1: was like a sledgehammer to those yeah, things, which look, I you get, you know.
0: Like Chauncey Bill, like the easiest layup in the NBA to me this summer. That what that was just not taken. Like it was Ben Simmons at the frickin rim, like against Atlanta. Was just Portland should have got rid of Chauncey Billups. Just said, yeah, we 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 need like an actual competent coach if we're going to keep doing this because that's just a he's a bad coach. Their roster's not great either, but that's Was not a good that hire
1: that's... actually fits this, like you're saying, cuz they they had a lot of pressure to keep Dame happy and you can bet that the only reason that man still has his job
0: is because they would still like to keep Dame happy. They just did it in the wrong, they did they did that in the wrong way. I think is what we what I would look at and say. He is I mean, let's hired... see what Billups does with a good coat
1: with okay. a good team.
0: Okay. That's but he's hired. There, but he's hired. He he is an assist his his journey to being a head coach is not like a decades long grind like it was for some of these other guys where like they're ingrained like the through line of these guys that are succeeding as former players assistants turn head coaches are guys that are ingrained in the modern NBA that can talk to guys because they put in the league but also understand the nuances of what is going on in modern basketball and where the game is evolving to and what things you pull Chauncey Billups is like a relative newbie as a coach because he started as an assistant coach in 2020 with the Clippers under Ty Lue. Before that, he entered. He was he almost ended up as a president of basketball operations with the Cavs because Dan Gilbert liked him. Mm-hmm. Like that, that like he's compared to a lot of these other guys. He's just starting. Yeah. He probably shouldn't have been a head coach that soon if he wanted to be a successful good one. No, Jason he's very Kidd.
1: similar to Kid the first time around or yeah. Derek Fisher with the Knicks, right?
0: Derek Fisher is another great example. Should not have just been thrown into that and probably also shouldn't have ended up running the LA, LA Sparks. Um,
1: but, well, so what's interesting to me about this, you're right about both of those things with Derek Fisher. I don't think he's yeah. proven himself to be a good basketball coach, but the three nope. guys with the longest tenures in the league who are also probably the three guys who we would think of as the best coaches, all were unorthodox hires who got Pop. their shot and never let it go. Yeah, Pop, Spo, and Kerr. Pop was that was his first head coaching opportunity. He was not by any means like the youngest dude ever, but you know was it was his first time, and he was bringing new ideas and this and that. Spolstra very criticized, very young, very out of the box. And then Steve Kirk came from TV in the front office and was not that altogether different from somebody like, you know, Derek Fisher or Jason Kidd, although he obviously had run a team. But those guys, you took, those teams took a shot and they benefited from it. And so it's like, even if you look back really far in history, it tells us that tends to be the best way to do it, you do not get a lot of guys. I guess Michael Malone would be one exception here. Where on their second or third shot, maybe Mike Brown can, can become that in Sacramento. They all of a sudden put together their best teams and their best approach as coaches. I mean, it happens, but most of the time, the best guys are just hired because a team rolls the dice on somebody they really believe in and commits to them.
0: The other name I would put in like this camp of the trend we're kind of hitting on, I, I think, has to be Ty Lue. Ty Lu yep. journeyman player is best known for, as a player for the for AI stepping over him in a finals game that is his like most memorable encore thing starts his coaching journey in 20, 2019 2009 he is named well Wikipedia has two different dates here so it's either 2009 or 2011 regardless he works for Boston joins the clippers coaching staff in 2013 so he's, he's a, an assistant in the flow of things after a long career so he's Please, one or the other. He ends up as the associate head coach on the Cavs in 2014. He is then, when when Blatt is fired, he made the head coach in January of 2016. But there was a path for him to grind his way up and learn stuff and prove himself to be sharp and get experience. He isn't just thrown into this stuff. And I like for me, for my money, I think it's like for if I'm talking if I wanted to have a coach for the next five years to like lead my team to a title, it's him and Spo. Those are my two guys that I would that I would be trying to pick between. Those are to me the best two coaches in the league for the most part. Um and, yeah, and then, you, you know, want to talk about pressure what Tai Lu walked into was about as intense as it could possibly be. And, and well and it's like you underst- you learn about his like personal life a little bit as well and like some of the things going on and it's like that, I think that guy's just made of hard stuff. I don't know if you saw also saw the spoke quote from before game 7 which one But uh, on uh, uh basically said like to paraphrase it I'm going to try to find it real quick but he had this quote that was like these moments aren't for everyone, but neither are we. Like these big pressure moments. And it's like that guy is just like, you have to be made of like a certain, like chutzpah, have a certain thing to it. And I think oh, yeah. you, it, I mean, it has he, to be.
1: He, he legitimately was ready to fight one of his players yeah. within the past 12 months on an NBA court. Not like he was really and, gonna do it. Well, and, and, and he, Brandon, he name, was name, gonna do name, it. Name, name the player Jimmy Butler, who every fucking, half of the it's, league it's, wouldn't even want to. Get in the that Minnesota, guy's grill. The,
0: Only one Celtic wanted to, Grant Williams. The Minnesota Timberwolves like lost as a franchise because Jimmy yeah. Butler just punked them so damn hard. And, and eric who like, who's like 50, was like, yeah, what? Stay yeah. Up. But but that's another guy. It's like he like we hit on this. He grind and grinded and grinded and like understands yeah. like how the NBA works. Like even like Dick Nurse, who I'm a little bit lower on. Like that guy is just like a basketball journeyman. He was coaching in the G League. He was on Dwayne Casey's staff. He's bouncing around yeah. everywhere. Like you He's learning it. He's five. which I yeah. didn't realize. Older than you would think. Yeah. But like you, you when, when guys actually go through that process of going to different places and expanding their knowledge and working in the game and aren't just like fast forwarded to like, hey, former player, let's hire him. You are better off for it. Like Nash, it's like, what did he really do in Golden State? I don't know. I can't explain to you what he did that like was applicable to him being an NBA head coach other than the fact that he's Steve Nash. Like, I don't know what Chauncey Billups would like hit that path. was two years. That distinction
1: you're making is actually a really good one because we're, I, I think you and I are aligned on the approach that teams should maybe have. But I think that there is a difference between hire uh, an innovative or creative, like try to kind of think outside the box in order to get somebody who has never done the job versus giving somebody an opportunity when they've earned it but maybe aren't getting the attention elsewhere. Like Mark Dignall, you know, another good example. Yeah. We don't know what he's going to be. He wasn't a former player by any means, but did the work as an assistant and seemed to be somebody that the Thunder up front office just really responded to well, and he had a really good first year in Oklahoma. Or I, I think this is his second year in Oklahoma
0: City, but he had a great w- year this year. I would put Chris Finch in, in that category as well. This is a guy that yeah. played in England with the Sheffield Foragers and the second tier of British basketball as a pro coaches there until 2003 Bounces around, ends up in the G league and then goes Houston for five years, Denver Nuggets associate head coach, New Orleans Pelicans associate head coach to Raptors assistant gets the Wolves job goes yeah. around and learns the craft and like was, was for like, I felt like for three years, Brendan, every time I would read an article, I really miss the old Arnovitz column. I know you do as well. Where they talk about the NSA coaching hires, you would be like, "Oh, this guy run, This guy has the sets that like yeah. oh, a lot of teams steal from and really respect. He's going to be a, a head coach someday. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the kind of experience that gets you to a certain place." And uh, one thing I would not advocate for on
1: the Chris Finch side of things is Gerson Rosa's playing playing, uh, the Matson and Nurse being the Tom. And just sort of being propped up and installed out of nowhere—that wasn't, or not Nurse Finch being the yeah. Tom and installed out we, of nowhere. That they did them dirty. They did uh, they did the, the Minnesota search a little bit. Do, we, do we think so uh, Gerson? Do we
0: me, do we think Gerson Rojas like sent Chris Finch like vials of his own blood? I, I think that uh, we should avoid
1: conversation about what Gerson Rojas did from an HR standpoint <laughs> before we. Get into yeah. some trouble here, but I think That's you true. wanted to end with the Suns. Uh, well, here, I, I, and can, I think it's can, what you, it, it what fits the just,
0: trend because I think they're gonna hire Kevin Young, okay? Well, okay, let's do that, and then I want to ask you about Nurse in Philly because I just think that okay. is like a wild, like nurse Nurse coaching Joel Embiid is just like a wild sense to to consider. So, well, we can do Nurse. I mean, I, okay, let's do let, what I, I, I so a, it. What makes you think it's so crazy? It is just like you for this is all I really have to say about it, and then I do want to hit you on the Phoenix thing. Um You are betting on Nick Nurse being able to adjust what he was doing the last several years in Toronto to do with Embiid and that he has, like, other tricks in his playbook. From what standpoint?
1: Offense, defense, minutes?
0: Minutes, and look at the personnel he was playing at the end, in, like, at the last couple of years in Toronto. Like, they didn't have, like, there's not really any centers like Embiid, but he's like, what if I just don't really play big centers? What if we just, like, press in or this, like... They are the closest yeah, thing we have. Was that? was that Masai?
1: I mean, the roster didn't like who did sure. he have? Then they traded for Pertle and obviously he didn't bench Yaka Pirtle.
0: Yeah. Okay. But I I just think there will. I think you will. I think just like from what we know, what, what he did with Toronto in the finals, Kawhi year to this next version, that just doesn't translate one to one onto what Philly is, even with the roster reshuffle. I just think that's going to look different and how yeah. he adjusts to that I think will just be really fascinating. That that's all. I think it I think that is just no, worth monitoring it. in that eco- in that ecosystem.
1: I think it's surprising and uh, that they would kind of lean defense in this hire because I don't necessarily feel like defense is their issue. Um I mean they they have a roster that can win a championship in Philly. So I don't really know if offense or defense, it's not really about that. It's just about like, can everybody get their head on straight and play committed basketball and not get yeah. hurt for more than, you know, two series. Um, but I, I, he's always built really good staffs, Nick nurse. So I would imagine that, you know, that that ownership group spends and Daryl Morey, you know, tends to have gar to do what he wants. So I think they'll assemble a staff and maybe it's, it's at least more creative I think than whatever doc rivers was doing. Um, you know, at least nurse has that reputation Uh, From the Sun side of things, I think it's a perfect example. And that's part of why my head has been kind of in this place for the past week or so is I, I said the the day that Monty Williams got fired, that I thought Kevin Young was a legitimate candidate here. He has Kevin, he has Devin Booker's backing. It's not common for a high level associate head coach type guy to be the person who works out the superstar player pregame or post practice or during practice or anything. And Kevin Young and Devin Booker have always had that. So similar to the honest thing with Adrian Griffin and Young is another guy who's worked his way up. He was a head coach in the D-League. He actually worked for Nick Nurse and then eventually replaced Nick Nurse at one point and has had these sort of innovative philosophies, as interviewed for jobs dating back all the way to 2020 when he actually was a candidate to replace Brett Brown in Philly. And then now he's getting his chance. Like, I think that's kind of the, the path. He's not a former player. He's a little bit on the younger side maybe than some of these other guys. But um, I think that's what a team like the Sun should be trying to do. Because what you have to do with a top heavy roster is get creative and be innovative and try to figure things out, get more than the sum of its parts. Um, so, one guy that I don't think we talked about enough, or not we, like the basketball universe is leaving out of these conversations. Why the hell does Sam Cassell not have a head coaching job? Don't he I, Every I, single box we've talked about right here. And he's he just not even getting like legitimate interviews, it seems like. That's who Portland should have hired when they hired John C. Phillips. Yeah, you're probably right. He it just seems he, like he has everything
0: you would want. He seems like a slam dunk um as a hire. I don't get it. Let's let's start a basketball team and hire Sam Cassell. You and me. Yeah, yeah um we need lots we, we'll need some money. I what, mean we are could be like a YMCA team and see if he's
1: available. <laughs> I didn't say an NBA team. Squad, Sam, just, you know.
0: give you a six pack of local beer, cold, and a sandwich. We have Again. some homage T shirts we could probably hook them up with. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we, glad we both. But there's a certain player on one of the shirts we're getting from our friends at Homage that uh, I'm glad we picked that. Player. Aged
1: well. Yeah, tonight could have gone either way.
0: <sighs> would have been, would have been, <laughs> been a rough Would have been tough. Um, Brendan, I, I meant to do this at the top of the show, but I want to end on a bit of trivia. If you can. I'm going to ask you one Suns question while I pull up what I was going to ask you trivia-wise. Would you – do you you would just have a better read on this than me. Are you surprised the Suns didn't go outside the organization for their coaching hire?
1: Um, I'm not surprised they didn't go outside the organization just because I think Kevin Young would have been a candidate. He was a candidate elsewhere. So it's like you happened to – like, I don't think Kevin Young is like settling because they didn't get the other guys. I think they just happened to have one of the better up and coming assistants already on staff. And so they went ahead and seemingly that's not official yet, but seems like they're going to hire him. Bill Simmons has just set it out right multiple times. So I feel like it's happening. Um, but they did interview Jordy Fernandez, who's another one of these guys, not a former player in, in the NBA, but, but, ha- uh, but has like been, mold.
0: yeah, G league to being like the architect of that King's offense. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, I think if they had gone and hired, like, Mark Bryant, who's, like, their big man whisperer, who used to work for the Thunder and, like, got a bunch of attention for building, developing Stephen Adams and DeAndre Ayton and whatnot, and they're just like, he's our head coach now, then I would have raised my eyebrows a little bit, but Kevin Young's just one of the guys that was, he was due. I mean, it's kind of the same as if, you know, the Sixers hired Cassell or something, like, well, it's not, well, he's with the Sixers now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have been, like, a shock. Okay, they're in organization, but it's still a guy who is ready for that role.
0: Yeah. All right, here's here's the trivia question. Brianna Stewart has scored 78 points in her first three games with the New York Liberty. Who held the previous record for most points in their first three games for the Liberty before Brianna Stewart broke the record? Tina Charles? Tina Charles, that's correct. As a follow-up, this is not going to be Tina Charles. That's why I'm asking this. She had two. She had the most. She also has with 66 points over two games, the most points across a two-game span for the Liberty history. Who 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 before her had the most points over a two-game span?
1: I think this is maybe cheating because I think I might have seen
0: this one. But it, is it Cappy Pondexter? It's Cappy Pondexter. I mean, this is just from a WNBA Liberty Instagram post. Cappy Pondexter. Where I is like
1: the best YouTube deep dive in WNBA history. Like, she's just, you know, Allen Iverson or whatever, just like playground basketball, like small guard you want to point to. I, like, Isaiah Thomas, whoever, Cappy Pondexter is on that list and just like never gets discussed in WNBA, uh, in basketball circles, period. Like, she just kind of got forgotten. She came through Phoenix. So I have a soft spot, but um, yeah, she's awesome.
0: Stewie's also pretty awesome. Seems like Brandon Stewart's good. very good at ba- pretty good at basketball. Let's end there. We have yeah, an NBA great, Finals. Great, it's a great period on the on the show. Brandon Stewart is very good at basketball. I don't have any more. Uh, to... I the highlight of I have two things that are like kind of like cornerstones of my summer, Brendan. One is seeing Boy Genius. The other is seeing Brandon Stewart play the Las Vegas Aces and seeing Asia Wilson and Brandon Stewart and, and all of that talent in the same arena. Amen. Amen. All right, that's gonna be it for Just Basketball for Tuesday, May thirtieth. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. We'll be back on Thursday after Game One of the NBA Finals. That is Denver. That is the Miami Heat. That'll Game Denver has home court advantage, so Game One will be in Denver at altitude. Can't wait to break down the full series. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for producing. Please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice if you're not already, and on YouTube if you're down for that. But thanks everyone for tuning in. Be well and enjoy the hoops.